Hey, welcome to the Fusion ATL podcast. This is Pastor Vance. If you're not familiar with Fusion, we are the Young Adult Ministry for Victory World Church in Norcross, Georgia. We meet every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Fusion ATL. I hope you enjoy this message and we look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, it's good to see you. Hey, okay, family. Man, we are in the building tonight, not bowing to Corona. Amen. I'm for real, man. I know there are some people who are not here out of concern. And, you know, these are some of the things that we've been talking about, even as a staff here. You know, we're having to, you know, put potential plans in motion just out of wisdom. In the case that this thing spreads and, you know, maybe they're trying to halt public gatherings. We know that, you know, Fulton County schools are shut down right now. And so, man, it's a real thing. So I'm not making light of it at all. But I do believe that Jesus is the name above every name. I do believe that there's been sickness after sickness that's happened in the earth, but there has been no sickness that's been able to overcome the blood of Jesus and the power of God. We serve a living God. Amen. And so we can walk in faith, knowing that as his children, we are covered, knowing that through his promises, we have access to his healing. There is nothing that he can't do. Amen. All right, so I want to pray for us, and then we'll jump into the message. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for gathering us here, for drawing us here, Lord, to hear from you, to worship you, to engage with you. We thank you that you are here. We acknowledge your presence, Lord. Speak to us, feed us, Lord. Teach us, reveal your heart to us, Lord. As James was singing, Lord, we want to know your heart. We want to know you, We want to know what you have to say, and we want to understand it. So open our hearts to be open to truly understanding what you want to reveal tonight, Lord. I pray for healing to continually flow throughout this place, Lord. I bind every sickness in the name of Jesus, and I thank you that there is no person here who has to fear anything. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So um, as I was studying for this message I was reading in Deuteronomy because we see that God shows us a picture of him caring for a people, of him choosing a people when he chose the Israelites. How many of you guys know the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt? Okay, a lot of us know that story. In short, God saw a people suffering after he had made a promise a long time ago to a man named Abraham that he would bless him and that he would bless his descendants and that all nations would be blessed through him. The descendants of Abraham had become a people, a nation, uh, and they were in Egypt enslaved for 400 years. God heard their cries, heard their suffering, came down to save them. And then when he brought them out, he brought them through a wilderness season, and he promised to take them to a land that's often referred to as the promised land because it was a land that he promised to them, and more specifically, that he promised way before they even got there to Abraham. And so as God is leading them, he's teaching them about his ways, he's teaching them about who he is, and we're able to look back on this as a picture 
of God getting involved in somebody's life. Okay, God choosing a people and wanting to reveal his heart as a father. He said that he would treat them as his own children. He was adopting the nation of Israel to be his family. And he was starting with them, but the goal was for all of us. And so we're able to look at a picture of God's heart from the starting point. And one of the things that he promised them, we're going to be talking about a couple different areas of this scripture. But one of the things that he promised them was in Deuteronomy 7.15, he said, And the Lord will protect you from all sickness. Say all. Sickness. All sickness. Coronavirus included. I receive that. I believe that God is, man, none of this is surprising him. Right? There's been sicknesses, plagues, all those things. Those are the things they were facing. He actually said right after that, he said, he will not let you suffer from the terrible diseases you knew in Egypt. Terrible diseases? Yeah, that means there were terrible diseases back then. He was saying that because they belong to him, they don't have to worry about that. Amen? All right. So that is not the focus of tonight, but it was something that I believe that the Lord wanted to speak into all of us because we can't function properly in the kingdom if we're fearful, because there's no place for fear. The kingdom is a place of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so, man, you got things that God wants you to be doing, that he wants to equip you for. As we talked about last week, man, the the heart behind what we're doing here is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That is what Jesus said he gave the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists and the prophets and the apostles for was to equip you guys to do the work of the ministry. Somebody say work. Work. That's what we're talking about tonight. You have work to do. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Some of y'all are like, oh, I just got off of work. I don't want to talk about work. Well, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And the title of tonight's message is Do Your Work. <laughs> Some of y'all just got flashbacks to school. Some of y'all are in school. And y'all are like, do my work. Oh, I've already failed. No, man, God has a lot of work for each and every one of us to do. The definition of work, I got two definitions for you. One is activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or a result. God has an intended purpose behind everything that he wants you to do. The second definition is a task to be undertaken, something a person or thing has to do. You have something to do. So do we all believe that we have work to do? Can we move on from there? Okay, because I just want to get into this. Ephesians 4.15, that's one of the scriptures that we've been referencing, uh, Ephesians 4 talking about being the body of believers, talking about being the body of Christ. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. That means us. As we've established the church, God's people, he refers to as his body. Christ is the head, and we are the body. We are acting on behalf of the head, Christ. He has the will. He has the thoughts. He gives the instruction. The instruction. He gives the directions, and we do the actions. Amen? 
Okay, so we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, that's you guys, and me, every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we are maturing, because that's God's will, as his body to do his will, and we're building each other up, and we're growing as each part does its work. The finger has a different job than the toes, though they may look similar. Your calling might look similar to somebody's, but yours is unique. The arm, the kidney, all these things. Isn't it interesting that God would compare us, his people, to his body? That's an intimate relationship. You can't disconnect the head from the body. We are supposed to be intimately connected to God and to each other to accomplish a task. And so we're supposed to have this intimate love relationship with God, and out of that flows things being accomplished. God is love, but right in the beginning, we see God start to work. In the beginning, God created. Boom. First sentence, off the jump, God's working. And he says that he has work for each and every single one of us to do as his body. And a lot of what he wants to accomplish here in the earth, he's ahead, but he wants his body to accomplish it. Are you guys following? So what does God want our work life to look like? Because I think this is, this is what differs in a lot of us. How, much, how many of you guys would say you're a real hard worker? Okay, some of y'all lied. That's Okay. <laughs> How many of you guys would just admit I'm not all that hard of a worker? Nobody. Okay, a a few people. See, I respect it. Because there's like 50% of the room that's in that boat, and they don't know it. But, man, I would say that a lot of us have different work ethics, you know? And we live in a world where a lot of times, man, work is praised and I think that a lot of our society is enslaved to work. But the truth is, you don't have to be. God wants to accomplish a purpose, but he wants you to serve him, not serve the work. God is the head, and he wants us to act as his body But, man, the body just does what the head says to do. The body doesn't get caught up in just the tasks and connecting to the tasks. We got to stay connected to the head and connected to each other in order to function properly. And the problem with a lot of us in life is we're getting so stuck in the tasks that we're doing that we're not able to see the proper perspective Because God is looking at things from an eternal perspective. But, man, how many of you guys know when we're working, 
So much of it is from a temporary perspective. So many of our goals are for temporary reasons. It's just to get the next thing, to get to the next place, to impress the next person, just to make somebody else proud of us. And so we're chasing after different things and we're trying to be, you know, workaholics and all these things because we feel like that's how we're going to be productive and purposeful. But God had a purpose in creating you that wasn't just about you being in a rat race and enslaved to your work, but that you'd be able to work from a place of proper identity and be able to work from a place of peace. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. What does God want our, our work to look like? I think that the first thing that we need to understand is that it's God's job to provide for us. That's number one. And so we are not working to do all the providing. Men in the building, you are not the sole provider. Women in the building, I know it's not just men. You are not the sole provider. (laughs) She said, I received that. It's God's job to do the providing. I want us to look at what God told his people, the people of Israel, in the next chapter over in Deuteronomy 8. This is, this is quite a long scripture, but I think that it's very important. I, I hope you guys know, man, the, the purpose of this is to equip you to do the work. So if I only come in here and give you guys bite-sized verses, you might think that that's how you're going to be able to get by, but you can't get by on a snack all the time. You got to eat. And so sometimes you're going to have to dive in, take some time, and really read, and it will bless you. And you can start with a snack, but man, the appetite needs to grow. You know, I heard it put this way in terms of when it comes to hunger for God. When it comes to food, the more you eat, the less hungry you become. When it comes to God, the more you eat, the more hungry you become. But the less you eat, the less hungry you become for God. And so we're going to do a little eating tonight. Is that okay? All right. So we're going to look at these 20 verses in Deuteronomy 8. (laughs) All right, you can, and you can turn to it. You can read with me. Deuteronomy 8, we're starting in the first verse. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. This is God talking to the Israelites before he brings them into the promised land, what they've been waiting for, the place of prosperity. He says, be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna. Some of you guys think that because you need God right now and it seems like every time you're 
you're taking a step, you're running into a need that he has to meet, you think that you're doing something wrong when in fact, God has a tendency to do that to build dependency on him so that when he takes you to a place of prosperity, you won't forget that it's him who provides. It's him who provides. It's God's job to provide. And he will teach us that through letting us hunger and then coming to him to eat. Man, I heard somebody talking about uh, training dogs and how a lot of us, man, we have it messed up if we just put food in a bowl and let the dog eat whenever it wants to. And some of us are like, how could I not allow my dog to have free will and eat on his own accord? Well, if you want the dog to follow you and your commands, one of the main things to do to breed loyalty in an animal is to let the animal know that you are the source of when he or she eats. And though we are not dogs and God loves us and created us in his image and not as animals, I would say that there's a principle there of how we need to understand that God provides for us. He's the source of everything that we need. And sometimes he will take us through a season where he won't just leave food in the bowl. We have to come to him to get what we need. Amen. So sometimes the bank account is looking low. And no matter what you do, no matter what clever ideas you come up with, it just can't seem to work, right? You're praying, you're depending, you're still here, which means you're making it, which means that God is feeding you, even though it's difficult, even though you might be anxious. But after a while, you start to see, man, I made it. I'm okay. Man, God took me through this. God, I didn't starve today. I made it. God will take care of me. So then, the more you go through life, you have that mindset that God will take care of me, and it's his job to provide. Because I remember when I had nothing, and he fed me. So he's telling them that he humbled you causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Meaning you had to hear a word in order to get fed. You needed relationship with God. It wasn't just about feeding yourself. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you in a loving way. Now, so many of us have maybe had not so great experiences in being disciplined. So we could read that and think of it as just God being some dictator. That's not what it's about. God was wanting to teach his people how to prosper. It wasn't just about being rude or angry or ruling over them with an iron fist. He wanted to teach them how to prosper and they needed to know that it can only happen through relationship with him. He created us for relationship. If we don't understand that, then we'll never be able to fully flourish. Amen? 
So he says, observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. He didn't say, your new job is bringing you into a good land. He did not say, your new greatest idea is bringing you into a good land. He didn't say your creativity, your work ethic, the fact that you don't get any sleep is bringing you into a good land. He said, the Lord, your God, is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. Now, to some of us, we don't, we don't appreciate that. We don't appreciate brooks and streams, but to them... This was a big deal. That meant this was going to be a healthy land, a fertile land, a place that they'd be able to grow crops and prosper. For us, so many of us, we just see wealth as green paper. God is saying, man, I'm going to put you in a position to flourish forever. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget. Somebody say, do not forget. The Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. Somebody turn to your neighbor and said, God wants it to go well with you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, no, really, he wants it to go well with you. <laughs> God wants it to go well with you. So many of us are thinking God is just sitting around waiting for us to mess up and wanting to be like, see, that's why I don't bless you. You be messing up all the time. No, he wants it to go well with you. But the concern that he has is when it goes well with you, will you still remember that it's him who allowed it to go well with you? You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. All that studying I did. I got this degree. I put in this work. And I built this. It is the Lord your God who has allowed you who has brought you into a good land. And many of you may not be in a good land right now. You may be in the wilderness, but it's still the same God who's bringing you into a good land. And there's something to learn in every single place. And every step has a purpose. Every step they took through the wilderness. Remember what he said. 
Your shoes didn't wear out. Your feet didn't swell. I was letting you take those steps just to see that your feet wouldn't swell. I was letting your bank account keep dropping just to see that you wouldn't start. I was letting no job call you back just to see that I'd still take care of you. Some of y'all are like, thank you, I needed that. I don't have a job. I feel you. You're here. God is taking care of you. And sometimes he's allowing us to take steps just to see him take care of us. Man, you're walking longer than you thought you could walk, huh? You're going longer on this than you thought you could go, huh? And you'll see the miracle in the end. You're waiting longer than you thought you had to wait, huh? This promised land is still promised. And so it's not about how hard you work. It's about how you work. We'll get to that. If you ever forget the Lord your God. Actually, I I want to go back to that sentence before that. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, his agreement, his promise, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. God made an agreement before you even got here that included you. When God created you, there was a purpose that he had and a promise that he made before you even got here to bring you into a good land, to bring you into a good place says that God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whoever would believe would have eternal life. Before you even got here, God knew what might keep you from being able to prosper, from being able to get the ultimate gift, which is relationship with him and eternal life. And he had already rectified it, already thought of it, already figured it out. He said that while we were still sinners, he loved us. And died for us. So remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. But after a promise like that, would it not make sense that he'd be upset if you turned away from him? After he's saying that he has everything set up for you, everything ready for you, and it's not by the work of your own hands. It's actually according to his plan, and he's going to provide. He's going to bring you into the land. He's bringing you this way. You were enslaved. You couldn't get yourself out. You couldn't get yourself out of the cycles of sin and the patterns of sin, out of the poverty mindset. You couldn't get yourself out of the wrong places, and he stepped in, and he brought you out, and he's taking you a certain way and bringing you a certain way bringing you through a particular season to teach you something because he has somewhere that he's trying to take you. And so many of us are only looking at the task at hand and we're not looking at who's bringing us through as we're even accomplishing tasks. So many of us are stuck in whether we're getting a promotion right now or not. And we're forgetting that it's the Lord, our God, who brought us to where we are and it's him who's taking us to where we're going. Amen? All right. Somebody believes that. 
So again, it's not about how hard you work. God wants us to work. God has work for us to do. But it's this mindset that we have to step into that work with or else we'll spend our whole lives trying to build something that he's already building. And so we have to step into a place where we're working with God, not just working. And I think that a lot of us are in a place where we're still scared to fully give, fully give our plans to God because we're scared of what he might do with it. It's quiet in here. But man, if you ask yourself, man, have you fully surrendered every single area of your life, every decision that you're making, or are you holding on to the small things? Because a lot of us, man, we, we get in here and we're like, man, you know, I, I haven't watched anything crazy in a minute. You know, I'm single and I'm not acting crazy. I'm not at the club right now. I'm doing better this week. So I'm good. And this isn't a, a, a time that I'm trying to condemn you. I'm saying that a lot of us are just thinking about the big things that we think are standing in the way of us getting to where God is trying to take us. But, man, what I'm learning is God wants to prune us. And a lot of times it's not so much about just whether we're in some big cycle of sin or big, big pattern of sin. Man, it's that he wants you to take every step with him. Every small step, every decision. That's what it's about, him being the Lord, your God. A lot of us don't resonate with that term because it's not super modern. It's not contemporary. But to be Lord means you run everything. You make all the decisions. You are the master. And so he's saying the master, your God, is bringing you into a place of blessing. And this is how I want you to operate. And I think this is a very timely word for us and in our generation because we're, we're taking in so much and we can get swayed by the news of the day. We can get worried and we can get scared and we're, we're about to go buy up all the Clorox wipes. All the Purell is gone. And easily we can spend our whole day talking about Corona and, oh, fist bump, oh. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm not going anywhere. I'm not even going nowhere right now, man. I'm just staying low. And I'm not saying that it's bad to use wisdom or to take precaution. What I'm saying is it's easy as soon as something starts getting pushed on us for that to consume our thoughts. And God might have something he wants you to do today. God might have somewhere that he wants to send you today. God might want to do something through you at your workplace. The same God who said he's going to take away all the sicknesses. The same God who says that he, there's power in the name of Jesus. That you're covered. You don't have to worry about that. I got somewhere I'm trying to send you. Something I'm trying to have you do. And if we get bogged down by all the news of the day and we operate like we're the same and in the same place, in the same position as everybody else in the world, how are we going to accomplish anything different from what they will? We're supposed to be a light. You know what a light looks like? It looks like when there's darkness all around, it's shining. But when there's darkness all around and we're just scared like everybody else, 
That's not a light. We have a good God, a God with great intentions for us, a God who's given us everything that we need, every spiritual blessing, the power of the Holy Spirit. He said that he's given us a spirit that does not cause us to fear. It doesn't cause us to be timid, but it's a spirit of power, his spirit of love and of self-control. That's what God's given us. And so if we're working from that place, we will truly reflect the heart of God. Amen? All right, so how to do your work God's way? Because the title of the message is Do Your Work. I know we're taking some detours. But I really believe that this has been on the heart of God, and it's, it's been this interesting thing. Even as I've been studying, I feel like he's been taking me these different places as I've been studying with this whole series, and I'll have certain things in mind, and I just feel impressed to share certain things. And specifically when it comes to everything that's happening in the news, I don't feel like that's going to slow down. I feel like it's only going to continue to pick up. Not saying that, you know, I'm not being like the bearer of bad news, but the reality is Jesus said, when things start getting worse, that's how you'll know I'm on the way. And when things start getting worse, it's not for us to be fearful. That's when we fix our eyes on Jesus and we say, what are you trying to do? What do you want to accomplish? Because it's no newsflash that the world is fading away. You know what I was looking up like a few months ago? I don't even know why I thought of it. But I was like, how many people were on the planet when Jesus was here? I was just curious. And looking at all the data, it looks like there's just estimates between 170 million and 400 million is like the max that people estimate could possibly have been on the planet when Jesus was walking the earth. You know what the population of the United States is? 330 million. That means at the time that Jesus was here saying, I'm coming back. There were only like the world, the whole world was the population of the United States right now. The current U.S. population is 7.8, not U.S., world population estimated 7.8 billion. I was like, how many people can this place fit? Legit question. Scientists, a lot of them estimate that according to the resources that we have available, because 2 billion people are already starving or malnourished. Now, we can get into a conversation about distribution and all that stuff, but reality is, scientists are saying, according to the way that our societies operate right now, the world can only sustain 9 to 10 billion people. We're at 7.8, and we're estimated in the next 80 years to get to 11 billion. And so if Jesus said, I'm coming back soon, when there were 300 million people on the whole planet, and now there's 7.8 billion and we're about to get to capacity, I would say, just my simple math, I'm not an expert, I'm just Googling stuff, I would say 
that it's probably going to be sooner than later. And with everything that we're seeing taking place in the world, we're seeing a lot of biblical things take place in the world. Wars and rumors of wars, storms, earthquakes, famines, plagues. They just got fancy names now. It's the same stuff that he predicted. So as his church, what did he tell us? He didn't say, so when all that stuff is coming, y'all better be shook. (laughs) No. He said, stay ready. I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy, authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. That's why I'm not scared to shake y'all hand. Because I believe him, not because I'm amazing, because I believe him. He says that he's given us authority over this stuff, to trample on this stuff. He didn't just say to avoid it. I'm going to put y'all on a different highway than the other stuff is on. No, I actually gave you authority to trample over it as you're on your way because you have work to do. So how to do your work God's way? I'd say number one is God does not intend for us to be workaholics. And so anybody in here, if you consider yourself a workaholic, I would implore you to reconsider. Because that's not God's will for you. God's will is for you to serve him, for you to operate out of the blessing that he's already put over your life. When you believe in Jesus Christ, when you are, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, he washes you clean of your sins, forgives you of your sins. Because the price for your sins was paid by him. He gives you his spirit. Starts transforming you from the inside out. And the curse that was on us through our sin is overturned. And the blessing is now on us. And let's, let's see what, what the blessing does for us. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. The blessing of the Lord. You know what the curse of the Lord was? Painful toil to gain anything. When Adam and Eve sinned, God said, now you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow to accomplish anything. He reverses it here through the blessing that's available for us. He says that he's given us every spiritual blessing as his children and the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Some of y'all are like, then where's the wealth? I, all right, I, I don't have to work for it. I didn't say that. Without painful toil for it. So I would say that as God's children, the quality of our lives is not just about how hard we work, painful toil. It's about how we work. And point two is that God calls us to work with integrity diligence, and faithfulness. So, man, if we're, if we're walking around with the mindset that God has placed us here for a reason, that he's adopted us into his family, that he calls us his body to act on behalf of him, and that we're built up as each of us does our work, 
then all we need to know is how to do that. And it's very simple. God calls us to work with integrity, diligence, and faithfulness. I want us to read Proverbs 10, 2 through 4. He says, ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. All right, so what does that mean? One, he says, ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, meaning you operating without integrity is going to bring you no lasting results. Fast money, messing people over, being dishonest is not going to bring you any lasting results. God has already blessed you when you are a follower of Christ. God is calling you into a land that he's already provided for you, that he's already mapped out for you. He may be taking you through a wilderness right now. Before you know him, you're considered to be in Egypt, slavery. Jesus says, he, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. This is a picture of the redemption of mankind. You're enslaved to your sin. Jesus intervenes. Moses comes, says, let my people go. Jesus tells the devil, let my people go. I'm paying the price for them. I'm redeeming them. I'm bringing them out of slavery. And what does Jesus do? He starts to walk us through a wilderness process where he starts developing us. And what's supposed to be developed in this time is this right here. Trust in God so that we operate from the right place, knowing that God takes care of us. But if I don't believe that God is taking care of me, it's hard to operate with integrity. Man, if all I got to do is tell a little lie for a few extra dollars and I feel like I need a few extra dollars, I'm going to tell this little lie. If it's up to me. If either I get it or I don't, and it's all based on me and my work and how creative I can be, and how innovative I can be, then I'm stuck. But if God is your provider, then it's not just about how hard you're working, it's about how you're working. And so you are called to do your work with integrity. Integrity is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles, moral uprightness. Proverbs 21.6 says, a fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. The money you get from lying, it disappears quickly, and it's a trap for you. A deadly snare. Nothing good happens from that. Will anybody be honest and and admit that they've experienced getting money the wrong way and it doesn't lead to the right things? Thank you. Thank you for being honest. I have. Didn't lead to the right things, and it always felt like it was just leaving all the time, and so then you're just chasing it still. Because integrity is about wholeness. And if you're broken in that area, then you're probably broken in some other areas. You probably don't have the best integrity when it comes to managing your money either. And you might be run by greed. Or you might be chasing cravings. So then you're not managing it properly. So then it's fleeting. And so then what are you doing? You're getting into more foolishness to get more. And that's not what God has called us to. God has not called you to anything dishonest. God has not called you to be in anything that doesn't reflect well on him. He's your provider. You are his children. You can operate with integrity knowing that that pleases him and will continue to allow his blessing to flow in your life. 
So God calls us to work with integrity, diligence, and faithfulness. Diligence is careful and persistent work or effort. Proverbs 12, 24 says, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Proverbs 13, 11 says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. Ouch! I got to get it little by little. Oh. But it's true. If you learn how to manage things little by little, you actually learn how to manage it properly and with lower risk. If God is like, here's two million, figure it out. Most of us are not going to be able to manage that properly. But when you start with the $2 and you deny some of the, the instant things that you could do with it, and you say, hey, man, what is the wise thing to do with this? Then you move to the $20, then the 200 then the 2000 amen, then the 20000 and you learn how to manage it along the way. And that was Solomon who said that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. One of the richest men to ever walk the earth said, money gathered little by little is the way you want to go. Not just getting everything at once because you'll probably mess it up. But if you do your work with diligence, that's how God is able to grow you. And so some of us are wondering, man, why haven't I made it to where I'm trying to get to yet? Man, God is teaching you diligence. Would you say you're a diligent person right now? Would you say you're submitted to the process? And faithful to deal with little by little, step by step, step by step, being diligent. And last, we say faithful. And to be faithful means to be loyal, constant, and steadfast. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 through 4 says, now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, this is Paul speaking, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't even prove that I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. We want to be found faithful in God's eyes because that's ultimately who we're working for. That's who's providing for us, which leads us to point three, which says God calls us to work for him. The job that you're on is not just about where you're at. The business that you're starting is not just about where you're at. But man, so many of us, man, I remember a few months ago, I preached a message and was talking about the parable of the talents. And somebody was like, hey, man, people in here talking about quitting their jobs. Because they want to be moving in purpose. Hey, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> I want you to be moving in purpose as well. But just because God is taking you somewhere doesn't mean it's time to leave where you are. God had the promised land set up already, but it took them a while to get through the wilderness. And so if you haven't learned to be diligent in the wilderness, you won't be diligent in the promised land. If you haven't learned to be faithful in the wilderness, you won't be 
faithful in the promised land. And if you don't have integrity in the wilderness, if you don't learn it there, most of us don't walk into the wilderness with integrity. We're supposed to walk out of the wilderness with integrity, though. And so if that's still a struggle for you, it's probably why you're still there. And that's not a shot. It's not condemnation. It's saying you can actually take comfort in that, knowing that God is faithful and taking care of you and not taking you somewhere that you're going to mess everything up. Amen? So many of us want the promised land, but the promised land comes with more responsibilities because all those brooks and streams and all the crops and all that stuff has to be managed. Where God is taking you, you have to manage it well. And it takes integrity and diligence and faithfulness to manage any good thing well and to make it grow. And that's what God calls all of us to do. He's calling you to a place of fruitfulness and flourishing. And he wants to build these characteristics in you. And so Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So it's not about whether they give you the raise that you were looking for, if God is calling you to that place. It's not about the money so much. It's not about the accolades so much. Whatever you do, work as unto the Lord, because you know that you'll receive an inheritance from him as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Man, how are you guys doing with that in the places where you're working? And I don't just mean jobs. I mean anywhere that you're putting your hands to work. In everything, work as unto the Lord. Anywhere you're trying to accomplish something, are you doing it unto the Lord? Because that's the only thing with lasting value. That's what we have to evaluate. God is calling us to work for him and for him alone. How many of you guys want God to be your manager? Amen? I know that that helps me in every season of my life. Knowing that I'm working for God, knowing that God is seeing the decisions that I'm making, that helps me to operate with wisdom. And I don't always get it right. And I haven't always gotten it right. But I do know that I am working for God. And I ultimately want him to be pleased. And man, if we're going to do anything of significance, if we are going to do anything with purpose, this is one of the most important messages that you've ever heard. Because if you take this into every area of your life, you will experience the abundance that God was talking about here. And it's not always financial. I do believe that simple math says when you manage what you have properly, you'll be all right. However, it's not even just about physical blessings. Man, God can tremendously bless your life when you are content where you are, when you are faithful and you have integrity and you have diligence where you are, you can experience the blessing of God. Don't we all want that? 
And so we started off talking about Ephesians 4, where he says, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, will become the mature body of Christ. That's what we're called to. This is a mature message. When we live this out, this shows maturity in our walk with God. It's not just, oh, we're just going to do whatever we want, and then we'll always call God to fix our mess-ups. No, this is I am already operating out of a place knowing that God provides for me, God takes care of me, and so I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to operate with integrity. I'm not going to do something dishonest just for a dollar. I'm not going to hurt my witness over something small because it's always small in the long run. And so I'm going to operate with integrity and diligence and faithfulness in everything that I do because I am a part of what he's talking about right here, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. I want to be a supporting ligament in the body of Christ. I don't want it to just be functioning without me when God has called me to it because if I'm If I'm the little pinky toe and I'm not doing my work, the body might be moving like this. (laughs) And it's getting along, but it's not where it could be without you. You're called not just to your vertical relationship with God, but you're called to accomplish something as his child. He's put giftings in you. He's put talents in you. He's cultivating something in you. Because we grow and we build up in love when each of us does our work. So if you'll stand to your feet. I want to pray for us. Because I really do believe that this is a game-changing message for anybody who will receive it. Just looking around the room, I know that there's just such a, a potential in here. There's a potency in here. There's power in here. Each and every single one of us has the same spirit of God dwelling on the inside of us. If every one of us allowed his truth to penetrate our lives, if we fully committed ourselves to what he's wanting to do, we could live a life that we never dreamed of for eternity. He said that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even imagined, the mind can't even conceive what God has in store for those who he loves and who love him. Israelites didn't, they had never been to the promised land. They didn't know what it looked like. They didn't even know to wish for it or to pray for it. God had it in store for them before they even knew to pray for it. There's places that God is trying to take you that you don't even know to pray for because you don't even know it exists. But are you allowing him to take you step by step? Are you quitting on the lesson? Because he's equipping you. There's no step that's made without purpose. Man, what would this city look like if every single one of us in here committed to this right here? Saying, I'm going to fully devote my life to Jesus, and I'm going to 
make myself available to do whatever he wants. You know what he wants? For everyone to be saved. And he wants to accomplish that, not through just showing up in everybody's dreams and showing up in their bedroom and saying, hey, I'm Jesus, I'm real. No, he's wanting to accomplish it through his body. You. And he's placing you places. Places that may be uncomfortable. Places with tension. Places that you don't want to be because it's bigger than that. It's bigger than your discomfort. Your discomfort will build something in you. You can't train to get stronger by being comfortable. God disciplines each of us as a father disciplines his son. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray for us to receive that and to be able to walk in that. Father, I pray right now that you are moving in the hearts of every single person here. Lord, that you're depositing vision in each and every one of us, Lord. We know that it was for the joy that was set before Jesus that he endured the cross, Lord. So I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be giving vision to your people, the joy that's set before them, the well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into my rest, the freedom that's set before them, the healing that's set before them, the purpose that's set before them, the people that you wanna set free through them, Lord. I pray that you give vision right now that you share your heart with us right now, that you give us your eyes right now to see what you want us to see. Give us your perspective. For everyone who will listen to this message in the future, Lord, I pray right now that you are giving perspective, you're giving vision for the joy that's set before us, Lord, to be able to endure what we might have to endure at this moment, Lord. And I pray that we will walk out of this wilderness with integrity. We'll walk out of this wilderness with diligence, We'll walk out of this wilderness with faithfulness. We'll walk out of this wilderness with the power of God. Jesus walked out of the wilderness clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit and stepping into purpose. So, Lord, I pray your blessing over every person here. If we all just lift our hands as a sign of surrendering, as a sign of receiving, genuinely, not just doing it because the person next to you is doing it, but man, knowing that this is a willing action. I didn't have to lift my hands, but I did it because I'm saying, God, I'm giving everything to you. Again, sign me up again. I might have messed up yesterday. I might have messed up today. I might not have had the right perspective when I walked in here, but I want it now. So, Lord, help me to endure. Help us all to endure, to persevere, to allow the trials that we're going through to to produce perseverance in us, Lord, to not get us to quit. And, Lord, I declare your healing over this place. I declare freedom over this place in the name of Jesus. I declare purpose over this place in the name of Jesus, that every person under the sound of my voice will leave here with a conviction in their hearts to do something with this time, do something with this life, 
to do their work. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. There's one more invitation that I want to give. I know inevitably there's, there's some people in here who are saying, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I want to give you the opportunity right now. If you're saying, I want to step into this thing, I haven't been doing any work. I want to start by knowing him. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me, and we're all going to pray this with you. Say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. I believe that you are the son of God, that you stepped out of heaven, that you walked this earth, that you died for me so that I could have relationship with you, so that I could be forgiven. And I believe you resurrected so that I can come out of death as well and step into life with you. I give you everything. I give you full control. I give you full access to my heart, to my mind, to everything. I turn away from my old life, my old thoughts, my old patterns, and I'm running towards you. I commit myself to you. And I say, you are my leader. You are my savior. You are my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Fusion. It's great to see you. Hey, thank you for listening. We're so glad to have you as a part of our community. If you want to get connected any further, please visit FusionATL.org. You can get plugged into a small group there, and you can also send in a prayer request so that we can pray for you. Once again, thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Fusion ATL.